Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Knizia, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. And this podcast episode is produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that's been published in the U.S. since 1933 for the global Ukrainian community. Our guest for this episode is Ambassador of Ukraine to the UN, Sergei Kislitsia. Welcome, uh, Ambassador. How are you today? Thank you very much. I'm doing fine. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us today. So to start off with, I'd, I'd like to give our audience some background about your education and your professional career. Right. Uh, what can I say? I joined the you know, Ukrainian Foreign Service uh, in 1993, and um, ever since uh, I work for the government of Ukraine. I'm a career diplomat. I served uh, both in the headquarters in the capital, as well as um, I served in Brussels in uh, Ukrainian embassy to Belgium the Netherlands and Luxembourg. We didn't have a separate uh, embassy in the Netherlands at that time, believe it or not. I also were uh, in charge uh, of relationship with today demised uh, Western European Union uh, while serving in Brussels. Then I came back uh, to Ukraine and I served as a chief uh, of staff, uh, uh, chef du cabinet of the foreign minister, Boris Resuk at that moment. Then uh, I served in Washington, D.C. in 2001, 2006, came back to Ukraine uh, in 2006, and uh, I was briefly in charge of the territorial department that dealt with the Americas, and then I was appointed uh, director for international organizations. With uh, the change of the regime in 2014, I was uh, appointed a vice minister for foreign affairs, and I served as a deputy foreign minister until 2020 when I got posted in, in New York. So that's um, my career in brief. Thank you so much for that background, Ambassador. So here we are today. It is day 111 after the invasion of Russia to Ukraine in, on February 24th of this year. One of the major crises that's falling out of this is the global food security issue that everyone is talking about. Russia has been accused of looting stored grain supplies from Ukraine, of blockading shipments, and deliberately creating a global food crisis overall. So what are your views on this? Well, my views uh, on that is pretty much uh, the same as uh, the views uh, of our partners, including the United States. Uh, we believe that it is an informed uh, decision by President Putin to weaponize the issue of food security and by doing so to put uh, under threat of starvation additional millions of people in uh, Africa, Asia, in some other parts of the world, because uh, Ukraine and Russia are major suppliers of uh, food, including, and first of all, grains, different types of grains uh, to the third countries' uh, uh, markets. 
There are countries around the world who are dependent on food supply from Ukraine up to 70%. There are, however, we have to admit, countries uh, that are dependent on the Russian supply of grain and food. It would be not true to say that uh, Russia is not a major supplier of grain. The difference is fundamental. If Ukrainian ports are blocked and we cannot supply grain uh, because we cannot, Russia uh, conscientiously took a decision to stop the export of its own grain and fertilizers. Russia claims that they do not export uh, food, grain, and fertilizers because uh, of the sanctions, which is repeatedly rebuked by uh, our allies, by the European Union and the Americans, who say it is not true. Russian food export and export of uh, fertilizers uh, is not sanctioned. Basically, if you remember what happened in uh, the Security Council when uh, the president of European uh, Commission, Charles Michel, took the floor and he uh, told, right uh, looking in the face of uh, the Russian envoy in Ibenza, that he was lying, that uh, the food was sanctioned, uh, Ibenza stormed out uh, of the meeting. The food security issue was escalated by the war. It is very important to remember that uh, even long before the full-scale invasion, uh, the situation in the markets of food was uh, very difficult. It was aggravated by a number of factors, but the war uh, of Russia on Ukraine literally break, broke the camels back. And uh, if immediate actions are not taken, uh, as soon as two months from now, or even less, we will see a very dire situation in uh, many parts of the world. Ambassador, in April, there was a live video address in which President of Ukraine Zelensky addressed the UN Security Council, and he urged the body to fulfill its mandate and bring peace to Ukraine or, quote unquote, dissolve. Do you think he actually meant that? Well, first of all, I'm sure that our presidents, uh, be the president of Ukraine or the United States, whatever they say, they mean it. But secondly, I think I need to probably to correct you slightly. He said that uh, it should be reformed or dissolved because uh, to deliver on the mandate, it should uh, get reformed. I mean, the thing is uh, that uh, the design of the Security Council is such that when uh, interests of such uh, an irresponsible member of uh, the international community as Russia Federation, the Russian Federation, uh, who has uh, occupied the Soviet seat in the Security Council are at stake, the Security Council cannot deliver on its mandate when it comes to prevention or stopping wars, the war of Russia on Ukraine uh, in this case. And secondly, I think that it's not only about the reform of the Security Council, because uh, imagine the, uh, the Security Council adopted a decision. Do you really believe or your listeners believe that President Putin belongs in a group of, na- of leaders who are so responsible that they would immediately stop their plans and uh, start listening to the international community? I think that the entire history of 
the downward evolution uh, of uh, Putin amidst the complacency of the international community towards his actions clearly uh, indicates that Putin will not listen to any oral, verbal, or even written uh, manifestations of diplomacy unless he is physically, militarily coerced uh, to comply with the, with the international law and decisions of uh, international community. Ambassador, do you think there might be a serious effort to remove Russia from the Security Council at the UN? I don't think so, and uh, I, I regret. Uh, and you are rightly say that uh, whether by choice or accidentally that Russia should be removed. Russia should not be expelled because you can only expel someone who uh, belongs uh, in, uh, in the council legally. I mean, in my opinion, uh, Russia occupied the seat, as I said, in, com- uh, in cooperation with the then members uh, and in particular permanent members of the Security Council and um, in total violation of the UN Charter and even uh, in violation or against rather the advice uh, that the legal counsel of the United Nations offered uh, in multiple memos uh, to the then uh, Secretary General Javier Perez de Coelho. So it was the decision behind the closed doors in 1991 that allowed uh, Russia occupy uh, the seat of the Soviet Union. The General Assembly members were literally robbed of uh, their right to vote and to express themselves as uh, Article 4 of the Charter prescribes whether they want to see uh, the Russian Federation as a permanent member of the Security Council or not. If we look what uh, currently the permanent members uh, say on the issue, and not only China, but also Washington DC, other uh, permanent members, they insist uh, that the Russian Federation is a permanent member. So it means that Article 108 of the Charter, which says that uh, the Charter can be amended only if there is a positive recommendation of the Security Council followed by a vote in the General Assembly, cannot be applied for the purposes of removing the Russian Federation from the Security Council. So it's not a realistic option. And the reason is, uh, I do believe, is rather a reason, though still a major reason, is that Russia is in in possession of uh, nuclear arsenal. And of course, uh, responsible leaders uh, in Washington, in uh, London and in Paris do think very uh, carefully how to develop amidst the isolation of Russia, their uh, dialogue, or how to maintain dialogue with a nuclear state. Ambassador, last month in May, uh, the former U.S. Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, said that Ukraine should permanently give up territory to Russia to end the war. What is your view on this? Look, I said on multiple occasions, and I think I have to remind people, and I'm surprised that uh, people still shake his hand for the last, let me see, almost 50 years after in 1973, 
Mr. Kissinger, who is a Jew who fled Europe, who fled Europe, otherwise he would be put in gas chambers by Nazi. He literally said in a conversation in, in the presence of other advisors, in conversation with Richard Nixon in 1973, the then president of uh, the United States. And I quote, if they, the Soviets, put Soviet Jews in gas chambers, it's not a concern of the United States, end of quote. So tell me how after that was made public, rejected by not only the Jewish leaders, but, but by many people around the world, Henry Kissinger managed to succeed being from, to many an ultimate authority on foreign policy. The person says, even if Jews are put in gas chambers, it's not a concern to the United States. And he is still an authority to many. And people listen to his drivel. The same year, in 1973, he traveled to Moscow and he had meetings with Gramika and other leaders of the Soviet Union, defending and designing together with uh, his able assistant, his colleague, a doctrine according to which it is better, it was a kind of organic piece by which he meant together with his uh, associates, uh, organic non-intervention, organic division of influence, where the Soviet Union had to be recognized as responsible for Eastern and Central Europe because it is organic uh, sphere of interest of, uh, of, of Moscow. So his drivel this year about territorial concessions by Ukraine, it's not new. The person is a pure evil when it comes to morality and to his vision of the world. So I'm not going to dignify his crazy ideas by even engaging in uh, long argumentation why he is wrong and he is wrong. Ambassador, do you think the UN has any role to play in resolving the war in Ukraine? Look, the United Nations has many important roles to play in the first place. And it is unfortunate that by many around the world, be it the United States, be it France, the UK, Poland, Lithuania, or Ukraine, the United Nations is seen almost exclusively through the prism of the Security Council. And I understand why, because uh, the major hype uh, happens uh, in the Security Council, and Security Council is almost always uh, uh, webcasted, uh, and the most heated discussions are in the Security Council. But the Security Council, even with due regard to its key role in the UN system, is not the United Nations um, altogether, because there are other important pillars of uh, the United Nations, for example, the General Assembly. And I think that General Assembly, when it comes to 
the war of Russia on Ukraine has played a very important role, at least three times recently. Like on the 2nd of March, uh, overwhelmingly, the General Assembly, by 141 votes, approved draft resolution on the Russian aggression uh, against Ukraine, uh, identified Russia as the aggressor state, while Russia was supported only by four votes uh, by such countries as Belarus, uh, uh, North Korea. You know, so it's uh, not a case uh, where Russia can even claim that it is not isolated. Russia was isolated. Uh, the General Assembly also approved a very important resolution on uh, humanitarian issues by 140 votes. I'm sure that we would have uh, got more votes, if not the hostile action by South Africa that tried uh, to put to a vote uh, an alternative text. Uh, besides the uh, General Assembly, there is also uh, the Institute of the Secretary General. And uh, the Secretary General is not perfect, of course, but uh, he is the product of the design. In 111 uh, articles of uh, the UN Charter, there are only five articles dedicated uh, to the Secretary General. The Secretary General of the United Nations, he is not a Secretary General of the Soviet Communist Party. He has very limited powers and he is more Secretary than General. But nevertheless, uh, we may not be happy and rightly so about his position before the war, but immediately with the start of the invasion, he uh, took uh, the a very prominent position and very outspoken position against the war. And after his visit to uh, Ukraine and Russia, he has been very actively involved in humanitarian behind the scenes negotiations. Uh, he negotiated many uh, things uh, on evacuation from uh, Azovstal and currently he is very much engaged in negotiations on unblocking the Ukrainian ports to allow Ukrainian grain to be exported abroad. And, uh, and another thing I need to mention is uh, a very extensive cooperation with the United Nations when it comes to the humanitarian assistance. There are dozens of uh, UN agencies uh, like UNICEF, OCHA, UNHCR, many others who are heavily involved in delivering humanitarian assistance that is needed uh, both in Ukraine as well as uh, in the countries uh, that receive uh, Ukrainian refugees. So before we criticize uh, the United Nations, uh, I think I invite uh, the listeners or the readers uh, to read more about the subject and then uh, criticize the United Nations. I'm not going to defend the United Nations. The United Nations has to be reformed and it's a separate conversation. But I also would like to remind uh, our readers and listeners uh, what uh, President Zelensky said in uh, September addressing the uh, General Assembly. He said, we often criticize the United Nations, but when we criticize the United Nations, we have to remember that the United Nations is not a building. The United Nations uh, is an assembly of the leaders of the world. So when we criticize the United Nations, we criticize ourselves. It's not the direct uh, quote. People can find 
the quote on the president's uh, website. Ambassador, it's sometimes said that you take a sarcastic tone in your comments at the UN or use biting humor. And you yourself have said it's only possible to emotionally engage with things that you can change. Would, would you care to comment on that? Well, what can I say? I mean, I'm, very, I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm a very cynical person. But we all live in the world of cynicism and hypocrisy. Uh, and uh, I face hypocrisy uh, every single day, including here in the United Nations. So what I say about emotions, however, is rather that uh, I prefer not to be emotionally engaged, uh, because if uh, I or my staff members are emotionally engaged dealing with the enemy, it doesn't really help us to be efficient. Uh, we have to hit uh, our enemies with a sober and clear mind, you know, and I think that the drooling lies uh, coming from uh, our enemies uh, are so egregious that it's very difficult sometimes even to listen to them. You know, my very good colleague and friend who is, uh, in my opinion, one of the moral authorities among the ambassadors, ambassador of Canada to the United Nations, uh, he says, we know that Russians are lying the moment their lips move, you know. So <laughs> I think that's uh, absolutely true. Uh, and uh, the fact that they lie, and we know that uh, uh, they lie, does not automatically remove the need to fight their lies because uh, Russians, we may not like, not appreciate their ideology, but they are very skillful, uh, seasoned uh, diplomats, and uh, it takes uh, quite an effort to fight their propaganda, and especially in, the, uh, in third countries. Uh, Russians, uh, unlike us, they are present uh, practically in every single African country, for example. They have an embassy or a consulate practically in every single African country. And uh, the way they operate, they have no scruples. I mean, they not only spread information and feed in information, they also deliver so-called brown envelopes to some not very clean, um, influential people in the continent. And we have to, we have to face it. Uh, I'm not saying that Africa is willing to uh, listen to the lies, but I'm saying, uh, because there are many, many wonderful, decent uh, African leaders, not everyone far from that uh, in Africa is, is, is corrupt. But what I'm saying is that I think that collective democratic world has uh, to have a serious uh, review, of not only of the policy, but also how we operate in third countries, you know, and we have to be more careful to the needs, uh, we have to attend the needs of uh, Africans, because if we look what happened, for example, during COVID, you know, and how slow rich countries were in uh, delivering uh, necessary uh, vaccines in necessary numbers to third world countries. That's absolutely appalling. So I think that it is a very difficult issue. It is a multi-layer issue. It requires a revision of the policies and how we operate, as I said. And unfortunately, 
Russians uh, were building their base or rather preserving their base uh, for the last 30 years because uh, the Soviet Union was very successful in many third world countries. And Ambassador, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but I did want to ask you one final question. What do you do to unwind from your duties as ambassador of Ukraine to the UN? Well, I have lots of friends among many permanent representatives. I uh, meet them. We go together to the concerts. I have a very extensive cooperation with such wonderful institutions at the Metropolitan Opera, Carnegie Hall, MoMA, other Ukrainian Institute, uh, Ukrainian Museum, uh, you know, There are so many things happening every day here in New York that uh, I wish I had uh, more time. And I'm very happy that the Ukrainian community in this city is so active, uh, not only in manifesting its identity, but also in engaging with uh, other ethnic uh, or religious groups in this city. And there is always something to attend. So I sincerely express my gratitude uh, to all Ukrainians of this wonderful city uh, for uh, doing a great job and for offering me many opportunities. Ambassador, thank you so much for joining us today on Krenitsya. Well, thank you very much. I have been speaking with Ambassador of Ukraine to the UN, Sergei Kislitsya. And we've been talking about the war in Ukraine and his position at the UN. This episode of Krenitsya has been produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that's been published in the U.S. since 1933 for the global Ukrainian community. And I'm Mike Burek, the host and producer of Krenitsya. Until next time, that's all for now.